This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Batman Universe Comics Podcast, Season 14, Episode 10. I'm your host, Ian, and I have with you, with me... This is, this is Steph, what <laughs> this a is day! This is indeed Steph, I am tripping all over my tongue, hopefully I'll get a hold of that, because we've got a lot to get through today, a ton of news, because Solicits dropped, and also four individual comic reviews, because we're reviewing all of the Shadow War books, including the Warzone tie-in. And Detective Comics. So four books plus all the news. So let's get right into it. Starting with solicitations, we have some news that uh, Joshua Williamson is leaving uh, not just Batman and Deathstroke Inc. He is also leaving Robin in August with number 17. I was really hoping that leaving Batman and Deathstroke would be okay, and he would be okay just writing Robin. But apparently he is also leaving Robin to focus on other projects, even though I assume Dark Crisis will be mostly done by that point in terms of the writing. But I could be wrong. And he could be doing a lot of architects. I know there's a lot of like uh, tie-ins that are coming out, um, so he could be coordinating with those. But I am very yeah. sad because I have loved Robin. Um do you know who's taking over? So that's a, a later news item. Okay. Uh, but uh, I have some thoughts. They haven't directly said it, but I have some thoughts based on another announcement. There's a really adorable anthology listed called Saved by the Bell Rev. And it's a bunch of like school theme stories. So there's a Gotham Academy story. There's a Super Sun story. Woohoo! Um, there is uh, like an Azrael like in training story. There's, uh, I think it's a Black Lightning story. There's just a bunch. And there's, of course, a Suicide Squad, so the Bell Rev thing. But, like, mm-hmm. it looks really funny and cute, and I'm very excited for it. It does look fun. Harley Quinn is getting a five-week weekly event in August. So four individual issues plus an annual on the fifth week. And it's all one story called Task Force Double X or XX. There is a teaser for this in Shadow Warzone, so we'll talk a little bit about that then. But it looks wacky. Um, I do not envy the Harley Quinn reviewer that month. <laughs> but that's coming up. At least Luke Fox is in it. We know what, where he is. <laughs> yes. I am actually really excited about that because I love Luke Fox and I feel he's gotten shafted in the last two years. There really isn't a whole lot of stuff aside from a couple of individual announcements. It feels to me like August is kind of... We made a bunch of big announcements in June for June and July. August is just going to keep going with the stuff. They're not going to try and pour a bunch of energy in new stuff. So we might get some new stuff in September, October, but August is kind of moving along, you know? Mm-hmm. 
All right. So one of the big announcements that is very Batman focused is called One Bad Day. And they're doing a series of eight one shots. And these are at, they aren't just like annual size. They say they're 64 page. So these are almost graphic Whoa. novel sized. Oh, my gosh. These are all A-list talent. Well, okay, mm-hmm. there's a couple that I, I would question their alias, but most of them are A-list <laughs> talent, and they're going to be once a month. We may or may not decide to cover these as main reviews on the cast because we are going down to a lot a lot less material in July, but we'll have to wait and see how it goes. The first one is going to be Riddler by Tom King and Mitch Gerads, and that starts in August. In September, we have Two-Face by Marco Tamaki and Javier Fernandez. October, we're going to get The Penguin by John Ridley uh, and Giuseppe Camincoli. In November, we'll get Mr. Freeze by Jerry Duggan and Matteo Scalera. And Jerry Duggan is known for doing X-Men over at Marvel. So I guess maybe he's A-list now, but he definitely wasn't A-list when he was at DC last time, which was in 2014. Matteo Scalera is an A-list artist. He did that great Harley Quinn uh, spin-off series from White Knight by um, mm. Sean Murphy. I really liked that uh, that mm-hmm. miniseries, and his art was gorgeous, so this will definitely look great. Uh, in December, we'll have Catwoman by G. Willow Wilson and Jamie McKelvey. Uh, definitely an A-list team there. Josh Williamson is going to do Bane in January with Howard Porter, so unfortunately that's going to look like butt. And then in February, we're going to have Clayface by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing. I would say that's more of a B-list writing team. Um, but Zermanico is definitely great art. And lastly, in March, Tom Taylor is doing Rachel Ghoul uh, with Ivan Ries on art. So again, another A-list team. So, Steph, uh, which of these are you most excited for or interested in? Interested in. Um, I think I'd be interested in the Riddler one just because, one, we don't get a lot of interesting Riddler. And two, I think Tom King might make an interesting Riddler. We'll see. I don't know. And then Mitch Gerard's, Gerard's would be very interesting art. Definitely interested in the Tariko, Tamiko, Tamaki, Mariko, Tamaki one. I as well am so good with the words. And then the Catwoman one, of course. So I would say those those three. I'm pretty basic. Yeah, I I think those three are also the ones I'd be most interested in. Um, just my experience with the teams and the characters. I- I'm interested to see what Tom Taylor is going to do with Roz. I don't know if I would call that feeling excited. Yeah, I mean, I think I think everyone who listens to the cast knows my feelings about that particular team, but um, I shall approach it with as open a mind as I can give it. Uh, we also have the announcement of sort of a standalone album. Uh, it's a 56-page, they call it graphic novella, called Dear Detective. And it is written and illustrated by Lee Bermejo, and it's actually a collection of his covers that he's been doing for Detective Comics and some other titles. Uh, And he says he's sort of given them a narrative. So basically, it's going to be covers with text boxes. And Mm. I am super unexcited about this uh, because I have not really enjoyed most of his covers. They're definitely very artistically beautiful, but it's not really my taste, and I don't like the way he draws Batman. Sort of like a military dude with a bat thing it's almost certainly not in continuity and it definitely won't have an impact impact on anything else that's happening (laughs) unless brian azarella starts writing something there was an announcement interestingly for september 
So as I said, Robin is ending at 17 in August. Well, okay, Joshua Williamson is leaving Robin at 17 in August. We don't know if the title is ending, but we do know that Mark Wade is going to be doing a comic called Batman vs. Robin, drawn by Mahmoud Azrar, who is primarily a, a Marvel talent. He was just doing Eternals recently with Kieran Gillen. So he's coming over to DC with Wade. It's going to be a five-issue oversized, so my guess is either like 38 or yeah, probably between 26 and 38 pages. And it's going to be present day because the world's finest is actually in the past when Dick was Robin. So this is present day with Damien, and uh, Wade says there's going to be a lot of magic involved, so not a lot of uh, the more typical Gotham threats. It's going to be more magical. We'll have to see. We'll, uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on it. I don't know. How, how do you feel about this? Do you think well, Wade is a good replacement for Williamson on Robin, even if it's not the Robin title? I don't think I know enough about Wade to answer that one. But I do know that I see Talia and Zatanna on the cover. Ugh. It's fine. It's fine. I Sure, Batman vs. Robin. It's my favorite. <laughs> that is a lie. It's not my favorite. Uh, I was hoping that Shadow War would at least put a Band-Aid on that. I don't know. Doesn't maybe, look like it, unfortunately. Maybe it's a Band-Aid on a festering wound. I don't know. Although I Alfred's on this, so... He is. What is going on with it? I don't know what's what? going on. And Flatline is there. So that's, you know. And Flatline. So clearly it's got one foot in today. Maybe Alfred's from Flashbacks. Maybe this actually is the Resurrection storyline that was sort of, we thought was ended already. Yeah. I would not be mad if they resurrected Alfred because I've been wanting him back for since he died. Mm -hmm. So, yes, as I said, we don't know if this is replacing Robin or if Robin's going to continue or if Robin's going to, you know, go on pause for five months and then come back. We don't have any idea. But it does seem like this might be the next story for Damian Wayne. Um, and Robin may not be part of it as a title. It may go into this miniseries instead. Lastly, kind of a, a silly, fluffy one, DC announced a swimsuit variant program. So I think eight titles are getting swimsuit variant covers. Several of them, of course, are Batman Universe. We've got Action Comics by Art Germ, Batman uh, by Mikkel Janine, uh, World's Finest by Rafa Sandoval, Black Adam by Emanuela Lupacino, Catwoman by Jeff Decal, who's doing the main covers too, but he's also doing the swimsuit variant. Uh, Deathstroke Inc. by David Lapham, Harley Quinn by Megan Huang, Nightwing by Nicholas Scott, uh, Nubia by Derek Chu, and Poison Ivy by Joel Jones. So, just as a fun thing, which of these covers are you most excited for? And are there any you would not like to add to your collection? Um, the Poison Ivy one is really pretty. <laughs> Joel Jones. Her hair is just so voluptuous. And I'm not normally poison ivy girl the nightwing one is ridiculous um yeah that <laughs> i have no words for that one the Catwoman one is hot the which one's which one's the one with the super pets the world's finest that yeah. one's that one's cute the world's finest one is really cute i like that one mainly because it's it's it looks like little john it's it's ambiguous enough it could be little john um. but who knows Maybe it's I mean, it's a swimsuit variant, so it doesn't yeah. really matter. It doesn't really matter. The oh, I wish I liked the Batman one. <laughs> the cowl is so weird. I think it's uh, funny. 
I think it has it a sense funny. of humor. It does have a sense of humor. And Catwoman looks so fun in the background. She looks like she's having a fun old time. I th- yeah, so I'd say like about half of them. Um, I think that the Supergirl one on Action Comics is definitely my favorite for obvious awesome. reasons. <laughs> DC is definitely pandering there. Uh, I do really like the Catwoman one, too. Um, I don't like the Deathstroke or Black Adam ones. They're, they have a sense of humor, but I don't know. Anyway, so just a fun thing. If you like swimsuit covers, let us know which ones you want. All right, that finishes up our uh, news um, quite a bit today. But we're going to get into our reviews, starting with Shadow War Zone. All right, story one, Old Friends by Josh Williamson and Otto Schmidt. This focuses on Black Canary and Angel Breaker. Oracle calms Black Canary, who's riding on her bike, warning her that Talia's demon's fist are hunting Deathstroke's associates, including her. Angel Breaker stands in Dinah's path, asking for Canary to join Talia's forces against Deathstroke. They battle brutally, Canary Cry versus energy-absorbing sword, but Angel Breaker is called away to Nepal, which we'll see in Shadow War Omega, and Dinah asks Oracle for a ride, since their fight destroyed her bike. Um, what... <laughs> What do we learn about Angel Breaker here? Other than that she still doesn't like to wear shirts. Uh, she has a sword that is useful. She has some kind of training history with Black Canary. Yeah. But what? So my, okay, hold on. But I have to back up. Why, why are they chasing Dinah? Because she was working with Deathstroke as part of Deathstroke Inc. as an organization. But, like, the only person after her seems to know that she's not a friend and is asking her to help her instead. So uh, what I think you're pointing out here is that this story has a crummy premise and doesn't make sense. Okay. Good. Um, All right. That is my take on this story because I'm very peeved. When they gave us a variant cover with Angel Breaker, I assumed, wrongly, that this was going to give us a little origin story, similar to Punchline in the Joker 100-page anniversaries special. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is not an origin. No. I would like an it's... origin much better than this, because this story was dumb as heck. It had very pretty art, but... Very pretty art. So, yeah. Definitely not a great story to start with, except for the art. And, like, so even if Dinah shows up in the last issue or whatever to do whatever, I don't I don't even know. This is not necessary. Like. No, it is not. You could just tell us Dinah's on her way. She said she'd help. Like, I'd be fine with that. <laughs> Ugh, anyway. This is a really, this is a wasted opportunity. If, mm-hmm. if they'd done an origin story, I think it would have been cool. You know? I don't know. Maybe you don't think... What do you think? If this had just been a straight origin story, would you have been more interested in what we got? Slightly. (laughs) Slightly? Okay. Fair, fair. Because, I mean, an origin story can give you... I don't want to make this too long. But a lot of the origin stories we've gotten have... If they haven't added to the story, they've made the character more complex. Like... The Peacekeeper one back story that I was not looking forward to, and it very quickly became one of my favorite issues of the year. Um, the, 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 uh, oh, what's her name? Molly. The Miracle Molly one was so interesting. 
And even though within the story it didn't add too much, I, I felt more connected to her. I liked her better. I understood her better. This is garbage. It is. This was pointless. This confused me more than it gave me information. Yeah. I think for all that people complain about all the the original characters, the new characters that James Tynan created during his Batman run, he put so much of his heart and soul into into you know giving them unique backstories yes mm-hmm. i mean deathstroke they kind of poke fun at this deathstroke i mean not sorry ghostmaker is a deathstroke sort of clone he's like mm-hmm. a weird cross between deathstroke and batman um clown hunter is very similar to jason todd miracle molly is a tech version of Catwoman from batman returns so it's not that these are original but james tynan poured his heart and soul into connecting us to these characters Mm -hmm. he didn't just put them there give them a cool costume and then say like them he gave us reasons to like them because of their history and their experience Mm -hmm. and their connection to other characters we still don't have real connections between angel breaker and anyone even though josh williamson is hinting at them don't hint you gotta show us don't tell show Mm -hmm. you know very basic but i think i was talking on the discord that williamson has a tendency to tell not show Mm. all right uh moving on inner demons uh this is by nadia shamas and drawn by sweeney boo and this focuses on talia Uh, a flashback of talia remembering her life with her father whom she calls baba and how he controlled her tired of her life she leaps from a cliff into the water in an act of self-destruction and rebellion but is scolded by Roz when she heals and awakens Under lockdown, she rebels again and runs to her grandmother on Lazarus Island, where Mother Soul tells her that Roz baptized her in the pit as a baby to save her life. That night, Talia looks into the pit and sees a demon. Her grandmother warns her mysteriously and sends her back to Roz. Okay, what is the point of this story? (laughs) I don't know. And it says end. Like, if it was a to-be-continued or something, I feel like I'd have some hope for this story because it's not in and of itself this was actually not horrible no it's not horrible but how does it tie into shadow war it doesn't it doesn't at all like all it does is tell us that talia may have had a slightly better relationship with mother soul than ross did at the end and that is not in any way helpful or productive for shadow war yeah and the thing is, so much of this is dr- driven by Josh Williamson, um, and he's basically leaving Gotham. He's he's not doing any of these titles anymore, so none of these threads are probably going to get picked up, you know? The art was very interesting. Very I, I mean, I'm a big fan yeah. of Sweeney Boo. I think she's a fun artist. Uh, the story was... It also doesn't think. feel like how they've really written Talia and Roz before. Yeah. Like, the whole Baba thing, I get that they're trying to give it more cultural texture, but I don't know, it felt clumsy. Just, there was one not too long ago. The, the whole point of it was that, like, Talia was nothing to Roz, and she was just, uh, like, I don't, I don't remember which what it was. But it, I, it was a short story about how, like, Talia didn't mean much to Roz, and she... Was that in the villains thing? Maybe I don't remember. I don't really remember what happened to the villains thing, but I remember <laughs> there was a Roz story. Yeah, it was about how she had to be independent because Roz was basically an absent father. Whereas here, it's like, no, he was overbearing, and I loved him, but I wanted to get away. It's like I don't understand what you're doing with this character. 
Uh, anyway, not a fan. I'm making a note to myself. I need to go check out that villain special, see if any of its promises have come true. <laughs> Probably not. All right, story three, Panic Room by Ed Brisson, uh, illustrated by Mike Bowden. This is a ghost maker and clown hunter story. Uh, the two protect Black Spider, one of Deathstroke's secret society villains from Talia's ninjas. And Ghostmaker traps his apprentice with Black Spider in a panic room with six ninjas as a training exercise. Clown Hunter gets five of the six and Ghostmaker pops in to kill the last one, then leaves the two to clean up. I actually, again, in of itself, didn't hate this one. I actually kind of like this one, except for who's Spider? Why are they running? Spider is one of Deathstroke's villains. Deathstroke's They're running villains. because Deathstroke, because Talia's fist is chasing Deathstroke's villains. Okay, so later on when they are protecting all of them, I just didn't notice him. So I thought that was strange. So I guess they just leave him here in the panic room to Maybe hang he's still out. cleaning. He's still there. So I Mopping didn't, away. I didn't like that I couldn't, con- even though I understand what... Uh, Bao and and Ghostmaker are doing and they're kind of doing the same thing in every issue there's no connection like they do this guy and then they leave him and he has nothing to do with the rest of the story and the next time you see him they're with the other guys and I don't know I didn't like the disconnectedness from the rest of the story but I still like that at least they were doing something similar to what they were doing in the rest of the issues before and after and it's focused on their relationship I did appreciate that. And again, the art was very good. I, I actually thought the art was but I thought the story <laughs> was pointless and I am not favorably infor- in, uh, I'm not favorably inclined towards it. Last well, at least one of us liked it. Well, that's good. I mean, I I like the idea. I just think that it didn't do anything I found interesting. Uh. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll see when we get to the Batman annual, which I have some trepidation about, because I have had a lot of problems with Ed Brisson before. But we'll see. Last story, fourth story, Ninjas at the Arcade, written by Stephanie Phillips, uh, drawn by Anne Molina. Harley Quinn runs from ninjas because of her short stint with Deathstroke's League of Villains, to which we see a brief flashback, leading them to an empty arcade where she takes them out, often distracted or quoting movies. Luke Fox and Lashina the Female Fury observe her remotely, planning to recruit her for a secret mission. Does this story make you more, less, or not at all interested in the five-week event in August? Mildly. It's... I don't like that they made us read this as a Shadow War story, because the fact that she was part of the Villains League for five minutes years ago, like, how... How much time did they spend finding... Deathstrokes, death, Deathstrokes, finding his associates. Like, what is their definition of associate? Like, are they going to kill the pizza guy that delivered a pizza to him the other day because he spent five minutes together? Like, come on. It's a little ridiculous. So I'm not a fan of them forcing. And the same with Canary. Like, just just chill. Go, go kill someone who's wearing a half-color suit and could just kill those people. It's fine. Don't. Don't kill it. I guess I guess Harley's wearing a half-color suit. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> uh, but no. I mean, I'm I'm excited to see Luke. I was interested in whatever her name is, uh, Lashina. I had to look her up, but that was that was cool. But the fact that you made me read 
a crappy Shadow War story to try to get me excited for an upcoming event makes me upset. Yeah, I um, they don't currently have space for it, but I think this would have been better as a backup. Yeah. Uh, or even like one of the one-shot Urban Legends. Um, it's certainly not worse than many of the other Urban Legends we've had to read. I don't know. Do you have a favorite or least hated story of these four? My least hated is the Bao one, just because I get to see Bao interact and see him training to become a semblance of a hero. <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah, I don't have one. I, I hated them all. This yeah. was a real disappointment for me. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of good art. I did like Otter Schmidt in the first story. I liked Sweeney Boo in the second story. And I didn't mind the Harley Quinn art. I, I did not like the art in the um, Clown Hunter and Ghostmaker one, though. So I guess that means that's my least favorite, because I don't care about the writing any more or less. And the art was the worst for me. So... That's not because I think that it's a bad idea. I just am frustrated with this. Let us rate this out of five ninjas, because there's ninjas in every story. Ugh. Two. Two ninjas. Do I want to go lower? No, I think the art gives it a, a star. So I'm going to give this a two out of five as well, which uh, means it is an average of two and a mode of two. So two. That's definitely not a recommend, though. Which no, is a shame, because Joker Warzone had some good stories. No, this, it literally does nothing to help, at least the preceding and, or I guess, yeah, no, the preceding and the seceding, the following issues. What's next? Next, we have Deathstroke Inc. number nine. Deathstroke Inc. number 9, Shadow War, part 6, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Paolo Pantolina. The crime doctor pronounces respawn dead, and Ravager has to save the doctor's life from a distraught and violent Deathstroke before he flees. Deathstroke asks Rose again to join him in killing Talia. Batman faces the false Deathstroke beside Robin in the underground lair of Gamby, the costume creator, before false Deathstroke runs, followed by a mysterious cave-in and a huge tunnel, like the ones seen at Roz's assassination site. Deathstroke tracks down his secret society gang, hiding under the protection of Ghostmaker and Batman Inc., and after a brief fight between Ghostmaker and Deathstroke, Slade holds Clown Hunter hostage to escape with his gang, flying straight into Talia's fortress in Nepal. So, how do you feel about Paolo Pantolina's art in Deathstroke? <sighs> I would say of the three so far, right? Two? I don't even remember. This one's the least offensive. But Bao, Bao, who is, what, 14? Bao looks like a chain-smoking 60-year-old. <laughs> It's awful. Absolutely awful. How hard is it to draw a teenager? I don't understand. Well, to be fair, that is actually a problem that anyone who's drawn a Robin has had to deal with. A lot of people make Robins look very old and muscular. Yeah. But they think there's a difference between 14 and 60. Just to say. Um, but not a fan of the art. Yeah, I... To me, it clearly looks like it's still trying to imitate Howard Porter's style, and 
as someone who's not a fan of Howard Porter's style, that really seems like a major mistake. I understand that Josh Williamson likes Howard Porter because he worked with him on Flash, and that Howard Porter is a big name. I'm not digging it. I am not. (sighs) Do you like the way that Williamson weaves the three plot lines of Deathstroke, Batman and Robin, and Talia? Um, yeah. I mean, it's all... Because now, I don't know. Because you... I mean, it's spoiler for later, but eventually they're all going to be like, well, I know that you didn't really kill my dad, and oh, I know. They're just all pissed off for no reason. And now Deathstroke really is mad, and I don't know. I think the whole thing's fairly convoluted, and the end is going to be a different kind of convoluted than the beginning was. I don't know. I don't like people who are emotionally angry and create world wars (laughs) because of their anger. Yeah. I think... Perhaps part of the problem is that the motives of the person behind this are hidden until the Omega issue. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I because and that's because Williamson wanted to structure this like a mystery. Um, I think that might have been a mistake. I think maybe he should have had the person behind it all be a main character. And we saw their motivations and their reasoning at the beginning. And so it would be more like a war story. Because this is called a Shadow War. So structuring it like a mystery is a little... I think that's a bit of a mistake. I think if you structure it like a war story where you show both sides... Yeah. yeah I think like, that would have been more emotionally investing. Like, I like when I don't... When I can't tell you right off the bat who I am rooting for or whose side I sympathize with. Well, like, having both sides have, like, legitimate reasons for fighting... Is significantly more interesting than you hurt my feelings. You killed my dad. I'm gonna kill you. I didn't kill your dad. Oh no, who's this mystery person? Yeah. And I think next episode when we review the Omega issue, we may feel like there are better reasons. But like right now, all we have is a bunch of like manipulation and kind of cliched grudges against each other. And bunches of characters that are not developed. <laughs> Well, I think you're supposed to like already like them, which is not something I personally approve of in storytelling, but it's definitely something a lot of people do. Do you like the touch of Deathstroke using Clown Hunter, a child, to achieve his plan? I mean, because Deathstroke is, was created for the Teen Titans, and he's constantly fighting children, even though he's supposed to be the greatest assassin in the world. So him using Clown Hunter, a child, I think is a consistent note with his past characterization. I think it's a little weird after he just lost Respawn, which, by the way, they do discuss how that's a silly name because he doesn't have regenerative powers. <laughs> oh my gosh, no. Oh, so bad. But anyway, so I don't know. Maybe that's in character with him. He's angry. He's going to take your kid when they took his, even though that wasn't related to Batman or Ghostmaker at all, but whatever. I don't know. I don't know how to answer your question. I thought it was silly. It's extremely silly. But I think that it's one of the better things that Williamson has done in terms of character consistency with the history. Well, that's good. Still silly. Do you think that Deathstroke's pain and anger at Respawn's death rings true? Probably. I mean, he does mention, and again, so I'm going off of not having read Deathstroke and not knowing the history too much. But it sounds like he did just lose another kid. Well, and that was like even, five or six years ago, so it's not Still, recent. though, 
still, you a child is it's the loss of a child is a, is a huge deal. It changes your whole life. And yes, obviously, you know, Respawn wasn't a replacement at all for his son. It's still it's a chance to to redeem yourself, I think. And he's now lost that. So I think yes, his anger and and sadness I think are justified. It's silly that they introduced this character just to kill him off. I'm a little upset about that. Because, yeah, I kind of feel the same way. It's just child, and even Damien was excited about it, and I'm like, could have had him be like an evil John <laughs> replacement. I don't know, but why did you have to do that? Yeah, it feels kind of shallow and a bit manipulative, but again, it's a little consistent with Deathstroke's character. I don't know. It just seems really obvious to me. Intended motivation. All right, so let's give Deathstroke uh, number nine a rating out of five star-eyed sunglasses. Star-eyed sunglasses. Three. Three. Given that I hate the premise of the war, this was actually a pretty solid issue, and the art is better than it has been, and I say that knowing that the bow really is my only complaint. I didn't despise the rest of the book, just bow's look. Um, yeah, so I will say three. Sorry, yeah, I would I would say three too because I think that it's it's very it's respectful the way that Williamson has tried to focus each chapter of the story on the title character. So Deathstroke mm-hmm. is kind of the main character of this chapter, even though it also has a bunch of the other characters having their storylines. But it is a Deathstroke ink story, so I think that's good craftsmanship on Williamson's part. Again, we agree, so there's no variation. It's just a three. <laughs> All right. Let us move on to Robin number 14. Robin number 14, Shadow War, part seven. Written by Joshua Williams. Art by Roger Cruz. Ghostmaker debriefs Batman on Deathstroke's escape with his gang, and Robin leads them all to Nepal. Deathstroke and Talia face off as their forces battle around them. Aboard the Ghost Stream, Batman tells Damien he won't join them in the final battle, and that he doesn't blame his son for Alfred's death, but Robin jumps out of the plane without a glider, Batman following in panic to save his son. Ghostmaker, promising Batman not to kill, faces off against Angel Breaker while Batman and Robin hunt for Deathstroke and Talia. They find Ravenger, who tells Damien of Respawn's death, then find Talia, who has killed Deathstroke after a truly brutal fight. The fake Deathstroke arrives, disappointed that Talia isn't dead too, and rips off his disguise to reveal the vengeful prince of Markovia, Geoforce, swearing to kill Talia and anyone who gets in his way. So Deathstroke's not really dead, right? Is that one of your questions? He is supposed to be really dead. That is one of my questions. Why don't we get started with that? Okay. How does Deathstroke, who has basically Wolverine powers, die from a slash in the stomach? Um, he is so sad that he wanted to die. I'm just going to say this was not well thought through. <laughs> How do you feel about the conspirators reveal um was it a surprise or did it feel too obvious or were you frustrated because you're a fan of geoforce well i didn't so i know very little about geoforce i haven't the only thing i know him from and i haven't even watched it yet is the what 
third or fourth season. Third. Of third season of. I mean, it might be in fourth, but I haven't watched Young any Justice? of four. No, I haven't. I haven't seen three yet either. I did um, see three, and he is a main character in that. But he's not a baddie, right? Mm, he's very morally ambiguous. He's very morally ambiguous. Well, anyway, I don't know anything about him. It kind of looks like Wally West, but anyway, I, I don't know anything about him. I I don't. Okay, suddenly this reveal of character who's very sad and I'm supposed to sympathize or maybe not. I don't know. It's hard to tell because suddenly he's just there and I'm, I'm supposed to have feelings, I guess. I don't know what feelings I'm supposed to have. I'm confused about what I'm supposed to be feeling at the end. Well, something I can tell you now is that Geoforce is Terra's older brother and Destro who, really screwed Terra? over Terra. Terra was a teen titan. She had like Geoforce, she has basically ground-bending, earth-bending powers. And she was like a 15, 16-year-old, and she was having an affair with Deathstroke at the time. Oh, yeah, I know that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So everyone in Markovia basically hates Deathstroke for what he did to a member of the royal family. But see, that's too much. If you're gonna do a stupid backstory, <laughs> then do that. <laughs> or, I don't know. Let's re-release the story about... I don't know. It's just... Yeah, I, I agree. I really think that trying to structure this as a mystery was a mistake. I think it would have been better as a war story. Yeah. Um, where everybody... Everyone's motives are explained at the beginning. And then it's just a matter of strategy and, and battles. Rather than, you know, well, who really did it? What's the mystery? Yeah. Uh, I will say, I feel... I'm kind of patting myself on the back because I predicted this i can't remember if i did it on the cast but i definitely predicted it in the chat with my co-hosts uh, because of the whole holes in the ground because like someone clearly has like earthbending powers and then when damien talks about how uh the villain has an accent i'm like well a markovian accent would make sense that was in this issue wasn't it no that was the previous issue oh in the deathstroke issue oh right right right, right. so so i'm i'm kind of pleased with myself for that but i still think that steph is absolutely right for this to really have an emotional impact, it would have been better if it had been told like a war story with everyone's motives at front. And then it's a story of strategy rather than a story of who did it? Who's the guy behind the Scooby-Doo mask? <laughs> Why does Talia change her costume again? <laughs> I like her snazzy white threads. Why does she need these weird green and gold ones? I have no opinion on that. I don't care. She's a woman. We like to have different outfits. But Ravenger needs aren't... to change her outfit. No, Ravager just has one outfit. She needs more. She needs a <laughs> glitter one. Well, in, in the Deathstroke series by Christopher Priest, she doesn't just have another outfit. She has a whole other personality she puts on, so that's fun. <laughs> Do you agree with Deathstroke that Talia always seems to be defined by the men in her life? Her father, her lover Batman, and her son Damien. I feel like that's something to be argued for. Sure. I do think like, that that is a who, problem in Talia's character. Yeah. Like, who is Talia if she's not Batman's beloved or Damien's mom? Or, like, she doesn't have her own thing. Well, the one time she did have her own thing. Oh, was, well, except there's Leviathan. Yeah, was Leviathan in Batman Inc., and it sucked. <laughs> Like, Roz at least has some motivation in his League of Shadows. He wants to kill half of human life so the, there's more resources and stuff. Like, that's evil, but, like, you can sort of understand what's going on with that. Leviathan was just 
I want to destroy the world because reasons. And it was stupid as heck. <laughs> now, we could go into meta stuff and Grant Morrison was talking about the Morrison mother who divorced the Morrison father. And like, there's all this psycho drama that Morrison was talking about with Talia and Batman and Damien. But it was stupid as heck. Do you like Angel Breaker's connection to Talia, a black canaria, and Ghostmaker? What is it? So she trained with or was trained by yeah. Canary. Canary, yeah. She owes a favor to Talia, and she seems to have had an affair with Ghostmaker. Oh, oh that's right. Because she calls him Koa Bear. <laughs> I think it's, again, it's a sad attempt to make me, to make her more part of the universe. But it's all telling. It's not showing. It's all telling. Yeah. Like, let me see. Ugh, Let's have a love fun. scene between <laughs> Koa Bear and sure. Angel Breaker. No, it's fine. It's great. Let, maybe maybe I'll like her more. I don't know. It's just. Uh, it's not like you'll see less, of, like more of her. She never wears <laughs> shirts. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, yeah. Yeah. It's I like not, the it's, idea. It's not interesting. I like, the, I idea like the idea of what they're doing, yeah. but like the execution is absolutely boring. Yeah. Like, yeah. heck, you could have done the the love affair between Ghostmaker and Angelbreaker as the ten page short story. Like, that'd have been so much more interesting. So much more interesting than yet another fight between a character. We don't know why they're fighting. We don't know why they know each other. It's like, come on, let's show. Do some flashbacks. Do some origin story. Do something that makes us connect to the character. Don't just be like, mm-hmm. oh, we knew each other in the past. Is that weird? Let's fight some more. <laughs> <sighs> no, 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 no. All right. Lastly, where do you yeah. think this story will end? Oh gosh. Or do you even care? I don't care. All right. I don't I feel really. Like, okay. I'm not mad, I, but I'm just kind of tired. Yeah. No, I'd say that's fair. Like, I feel like parts of this were very well executed. I think oh, parts yeah, of this yeah. were very. I think most of it was very well written. Yeah. Like, but yeah, the execution was not fantastic. Like, the story structure was not fantastic. And I feel like if you wanted me to care about these people and their relationships, then that's where the focus should have been. Yeah. And if you look at uh, Williamson writing Robin, he did take that time to connect us to the characters. He didn't. There were tons of fights. Don't get me wrong. Tons and tons of fights. But he also took time to connect us to Damien's inner struggle. There was a whole extra issue on like backstories and 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 origins. (laughs) And, you know, there was the whole issue where he just sort of chills out with Grandpa Roz on the island. Like, yes! There was character right. stuff. And this mm-hmm. had the potential to do character stuff, and it just didn't. And I understand mm-hmm. it's an event and a crossover, but I don't know. I Maybe it would have been better if, you know, that whole three, four-issue arc that Williamson did about Batman Inc. had actually been about, you know, Angel Breaker and Talia. Yeah. And like, actually set up i mean that's basically what james tynan did he spent that whole six issues before fear state developing miracle molly developing batman's relationship with Ghostmaker. so actually when it came time to do fear state he you know we knew these characters we were much more connected to them i don't know all right let's give this a rating out of five bat gliders Oh, it pains me to give a low rating to a robin book just fyi this is not something i want to do but I might say two and a half. 
I'm actually going to give this a 3.5 because I enjoyed it better than the Deathstroke issue. And I also am kind of patting myself on the back for knowing it was <laughs> Geoforce. Um, and so, like, I think that in itself is kind of like, he set up a mystery. I feel like I followed the clues and figured it out. Well, hold on then. I want to change mine to a 3 because I did forget. And one thing we didn't talk about was that Batman is, again, trying to mend bridges. Yes, he- that was a nice thing. Yes, he's he's going back to the horrible thing he said <laughs> and saying, admitting it was horrible. That is not what I meant. I was trying to take the blame, not put it on you. on you. Yeah. Yeah. So I did appreciate that. So I will give it. I'll give it a three. OK, well, that gives us a three point two five total and there's no mode. So I'm very sad, but <laughs> it's honest ratings from both of us. Mm-hmm. So. Whether you are a first time TBU Comics podcast listener a 13-year veteran, or anything in between. We'd love to hear what you think about this episode or any of the comics we discussed. Send emails to tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net. Join our Discord server linked at thebatmanuniverse.net. Send us a tweet at tbu underscore comics. Or, if you're a patron, leave us a comment on our Patreon page. We'd also love it if you left us a review on iTunes. We'd love to read your comments on the next episode of the Batman Universe Comics Podcast. Batman may claim he works alone, but we know that he needs the Bat family. Join the TVU Bat family and let us know what you think. All right, and we're going to round out our reviews with Detective Comics 1060. And this is not connected to Shadow War. This is uh, the second of the three parts of the Riddler story by Marco Tamaki and Nadia Shamas, and it's illustrated by Ivan Ries, The Seven, Part Two. As Detective Comics 1060 begins, Bruce Wayne and Judge Caroline Donovan enjoy dinner at Trattoria Gotham, speaking about the antics of Deb Donovan, Caroline's mother. Bruce probes the judge to find more about the recent criminal activity in Gotham and why citizens with seemingly no past criminal records are committing atrocities only to admit their wrongs quickly. The judge, however, speaks about her own ambition for making a change in the city. She quickly learned that despite her actions to make a change, there is more injustice in the Gotham than there is justice. Bruce reminds her that even one change makes all the difference. Bruce walks the judge home, and as she closes her door, Batman goes to work. Riddler is broadcasting live again, speaking the citizen criminals of Gotham. As Batman looks over gathered evidence, trying to connect the dots and determine whether or not Caroline Donovan is involved, he gets a call from Batwoman. There's an SOS at the Gotham Gazette, and Deb Donovan is there alone. Batman wakes his way to the Gazette, where, after startling Deb half to death, he looks over the evidence that she gathered on John Harper, the man who gassed the bank in the last issue. As Deb leaves, Batman does a scan for evidence. He finds a hair. As he analyzes things back at the Batcave, Oracle calls and gives him more backstory, this time on a possible connection to the Donovan family. The analysis of the hair is complete. It belongs to Darby Turner. Batman knows where the next stop is, As he heads out, Caroline Donovan is walking home from work. She finds an envelope taped to her door as she walks up to her place. It has the number six on it. Talia al Ghul is reading when she realizes she's not alone. Batman is looking for the whereabouts of Darby Turner. 
Talia responds that she hasn't seen the suspect since she returned from out of town. However, she warns Batman that he needs to pay heed to what the Riddler is saying. All the messages he's been pushing are directed at Batman. Back at the Gazette, Deb is meeting with Mrs. Ms. Smith, who claims to have information on the citizen criminals. They talk in private. Minutes later, calls come in of a hostage situation. Ms. Smith, who turns out to be Darby Turner, has Deb Donovan on the roof with a gun to her head. She claims to have the building rigged to blow if every member of the justice system doesn't air their secrets to the world. Batman arrives and disturbs Turner right as her boyfriend arrives. The boyfriend tells Batman that he will tell him everything about what's going on. Darby begs him not to say anything, but he tells her that he must, as the blackmailing will never stop. Darby finds her own way of making things stop by jumping from the roof. Batman jumps as well, catching Darby before she falls to her death. On the ground, Perry, Darby's boyfriend, runs out. As he begins to tell Batman everything, a shot is fired and he falls to the ground. A gunman, Caroline Donovan, points the gun at Batman. She doesn't want to kill him, but she will if she has to. So, um, first question. Theo mentions in his review on the site, which I encourage everyone to check out because it's very insightful, that it feels rushed. Um, How do you feel about the pacing in this story? Uh, We're... This is the second of three parts, so we're really almost at the end. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little. They really... Yeah. Maybe a little. Um, it is weird that Caroline is being date-questioned at the beginning and then committing murder by the end. <laughs> um, that was a little intense. Maybe a little bit, but I still like Tamaki's pace of writing. Like, it doesn't feel rushed in the way other stories feel rushed, I guess is what I'm saying. Dang. I felt that the first issue was more rushed because there was basically like four crimes in the first issue. And there's only like one real crime in this issue. I guess two because Caroline has the crime at the end. But two seems to fit a lot better than the three or four in the first issue. So I I would say overall, I do get a sense of of rushing. But this issue felt a little more well-paced to me personally. Yeah, I would agree. What is going on with Talia? Why is she hanging out here? Why is she here? Like, it just, it makes, it makes Warzone even more stupid. And unless this happens before, I don't, I don't even know. Although, how does that even, even work? How does it even work? Why is she here? What? She literally does nothing. She just tells them, you should pay more attention to Riddler. And, and she knows Darby. Like, that could, you, this could have been Selena. This could have been. It could have been Oracle. It could have been, could have been Oracle. This one of the bad girls. It could have been. Literally, could have been a homeless person on the street. Could have been Harley Quinn. She's been in the Batman family a lot recently. I I don't think is Darby Turner someone we're supposed to know. Hold on, let's look this up real quick. I don't recognize the name. Darby Turner. I think it might have been a, one of the criminals from last issue. But she's not someone like we're expected to know. She's certainly not someone with a long history. No, she's, she's, no, she's only, no, she's nothing. And so it literally could have been just anyone. And so making Tali in here feels very editorial. Yeah. I didn't hate it, but I'm just like, she really didn't do anything in this story. She didn't do anything. So, and again, it kind of feels like maybe the story was a little rushed. Would it have had to have been rushed if you didn't have to dedicate a few pages to Batman finding Talia and talking to her? Ah! What did you think about Ivan Reis's art in this issue? 
it seemed very classic to me. Yeah, yeah, that's a good word for it. Yeah, it's not my cup of tea, but it's not a cup of tea I would turn down. I I really liked it. I definitely really like the art. Um, it's, it's not as... Um, like, Dan Moore's art definitely grabbed me with this run. But Eva Reis is just really... It feels like really polished craftsmanship. And it, it never feels weird or gross or frustrating. It's just really assured penciling that's very appealing and tells the story well. All right, let's move on to our backup story, Gotham Girl Interrupted, Part 2, by Cena Grace, illustrated by David Lapham. Claire Clover, Gotham Girl, calls the police to report her friend Andre's death. As the police question her, Dr. Chase Meridian and Dr. Rhea from Arkham Tower arrive and save Claire from further questioning. They don't know that Claire has Andre's laptop. As Claire tries to break through the laptop's encryption, gunmen attack her. Apparently, the Gotham Girl website has put out some damaging information on Paul Perlman, and he wants revenge. Claire, however, uses her powers to get control of the situation. She gives the gunman an option, help with the laptop, or go to the hospital. They're able to break into the computer, where they find some interesting material. The next day, Gotham Girl goes to Arkham Tower. She doesn't need help. She's just looking for a murderer. She makes her way to the top floor, to the office of Dr. Meridian. The murderer is not going to get away with it. So, does this chapter of the Gotham Girl Interrupted story, does it engage you more? Does it convince you that this is a story that needs to be told in Detective Comics? Those are different questions. Um, I don't know why this story is here. She wasn't created in Detective Comics. She isn't adding to the meat of the main story. And, I mean, other than she was in Arkham Tower, which was in Detective Comics, there isn't much connection here to anything. I think that's really the connection, is trying to follow up on the Arkham Tower story. On the Arkham Tower? Okay. Well, in that case, fine. And, yeah, I guess Chase Chase is is here as well. Um, Now, as for being gripped and interested... The fact that she was able to gain control of the being attacked and then make the attackers work for her was hilarious. I, I, I love that. I thought I've never seen that before in a show or in a thing. And I love it. We should do that more often where you're actually able to negotiate and speak with your attackers and work together. If only that had worked in Batman <laughs> <laughs> and in Shadow War. That would have been so great. Um so I thought that scene alone made the entire thing worth it for me. Um, I don't like that they're ending on a note making Chase seem like an evil person when she's been like a hero, um, a civilian hero, civilian aide. I mean, Batman has told us he trusts Chase way yeah. too often for us to think that she's going to go evil now. <laughs> yes. So I didn't love that ending because obviously some kind of misunderstanding. But... Um, I'm I'm curious to know why. I wouldn't say I'm I'm too emotionally involved in the story, nor would I be hurt if it dropped off the face of the earth. But for what I'm getting, I'm not I'm not dreading reading this. Sure, makes sense. Yeah. I would say that I don't hate the story. I do question why it's being told here rather than in Urban Legends. It seems like it might work better in Urban Legends. Yeah. It'd be better than anything that's there right now. <laughs> yes, for sure. It's way better than that awful Birds of Prey story. 
I don't... The one thing I kind of was hoping is that this would set Gotham Girl on, like, a new trajectory so that we would have an idea of what her status quo will be like after the story. And I don't feel like it's done that for us. Like, there's a lot of interesting ideas with the Gotham Girl website, but since that's set up by a character who is now dead, we know that's not going to be the status quo going forward. So what is Gotham Girl going to do afterwards? I mean, well... I do like she does seem to be getting better. Like she was full on attacked and she was able to take control of that situation. I thought that was actually very cool for someone who's struggling as much as she is. Um, so I feel like they are building her as getting stronger. Um, but again, is that a story anyone cares about? Right. All right. So let us give Detective Comics 1060 a rating out of five. Uh, fake Riddler mustaches. I'll say three and a half. I think it's a solid entry in the story. I don't think it's too rushed. And especially if she's having to finish this up quickly. I, it doesn't honestly feel like that too much to me. Um, and I thought that as much as I don't understand why we're getting this story about Gotham Girl, it's still a solid story. It's still a good story. I'm going to go with a three because I think it is a solid story, but it's not above average for me, uh, especially not after, to me, the pyrotechnics of um, Shadows of the Bat, which I thought was a really above average story. So that uh, and Theo over on the website gave it a three out of five. Um, again, definitely recommend checking it out so you can get his perspective. A lot of good insight. Uh, that gives us an average of three points one seven. And a mode of three. So that is our review of Detective Comics 1060. Let's move on to uh, Greater Gotham. Again, we're going to rate out of thumbs up, thumbs down, uh, neutral, or abstain. Starting with Batman Beyond the White Knight, number three. Oh, thumbs up. Oh, that book was so good. Thumbs up. I think I'm going to give a thumbs up. I still am not a huge fan of Sean Murphy's writing. Um, he also suffers a lot from tell, don't show, but he is also the artist. So he does a lot of showing that's not in the script that I think is good. Batman Fortress, number one, the start. Of, I just found out this is an eight part series. Oh gosh. <laughs> I don't know about that. I skipped through it. It just does not look like something I would enjoy. So abstain for me. My big thing is this issue. And now I know that the story is going to progress from this, but this issue feels like exactly the same concept as One Dark Night by Jock. So, I don't know, I'm going to give it a neutral because I'm just like, I've literally just saw something like this very, very recently in the same <laughs> black label format. Um, Harley Quinn number 13, uh, 15. A thumbs up, but I'm getting a little tired of this story. But it seems like it might be winding down soon. It was it was a fine entry. It was, there was nothing wrong with it. Thumbs up. I'm going to give it a neutral. I'm very mm -hmm. concerned about this run um, going into a five-issue weekly event. That seems like a lot. <laughs> uh, Task Force Z, number eight. I am torn on this one. Because story-wise, I don't care anymore. I want to give it a neutral. All of the bat people were there, and that was delightful. And they were all beating Jason up, which was really sad. And they were all mean to him, <laughs> and he was mean to them. And there was way too much crowbars. 
Way too much crowbars. But I think I'm going to say thumbs up just out of pure stubbornness. I'm going to say neutral. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of pros and negatives that you mentioned. Yep. But the fact that they left Stephanie out, even though they mentioned her, <laughs> makes it a neutral. It's definitely not thumbs oh, up. Oh my goodness, you're so, so petty. Oh, that's so funny. You know what? <laughs> she's not appearing in... She's not appearing in too many things, so I'm going to be petty and tell them how I feel. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, there is actually a, a a greater Gotham that we're going to have next episode that I'm going to give a thumbs up for because Stephanie's in it. So, oh, tell me. Ba- uh, ba- ba- Batman Superman World's Finest number three. <sighs> See, what did I say? A thumbs up, but this is getting into territory where I start to glaze over. But Dan Mora's art is still so beautiful, and Dick Robin is so cute, <laughs> and I'm 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 determined to enjoy it. But it is getting dangerously close to neutral territory. I'm not reading it. Abstain. It was too <laughs> weird for me. The first first issue was too weird for me. So nope. it got weirder. <laughs> That's not an endorsement for me. <laughs> uh, Batman the Night number five. Oh, thumbs up. Oh, it's so good. Yes, absolutely thumbs up. And I think Chris, you're right. I I think that's, I'm pretty sure that's Ghostmaker. And if it's not, it's... Oh, it's, it's definitely Ghostmaker. It's Ghostmaker light. <laughs> it's definitely Ghostmaker. Um, I, Chip Zdarsky is doing a really good job convincing me he's going to write a great Batman. Yeah. And it's Carmine Di Giandomenico. Carmine Di Giandomenico. I have loved his art uh-huh. for a long time, and it looks so cool. It's so cool. This is giving me hope, because you know one thing we've been complaining about for Williamson is is the lack of giving us any kind of meat or backstory or things to chew on while you're, well, or things to care about. And we're getting all of that in Wonder, or Dark Knight, whatever it's called. The Knight. The Knight. I just really hope that Zdarsky will work little pieces into his main run so that this all feels that's one of my big things of loving like when Chuck Dixon was writing, you know, Detective Comics and Birds of Prey and Ramen and Nightwing. All of them had like characters that went back and forth and, you know, little pieces and themes and places they visited, so it all felt mm-hmm. like one big world. I hope that Zdarsky does that same kind of interconnected feeling between his own work here. I hope he reaches back to his cheer storyline with Jason and then this backstory for Bruce. And then he puts it mm-hmm. all into, you know, his Batman run. Cause I think that's really good craftsmanship. That's why you hire a writer to do more than one title. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is if he doesn't do that, Batman's get thumbs down for me all the way. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Catwoman number 43. Neutral. However, this Catwoman issue is kind of how I personally imagined the Batgirls book to be written. So if this had been a Batgirls issue, I probably would have given it a thumbs up. But it's not. It's a you Catwoman want, issue. You want Steph and Cass to be thinking sexually of each other, no, sleeping in the same no. bed? <laughs> I'm. That was cute. They weren't. They were just friends. Come on. Uh, she was thinking sexually of Harley, and it was very clear. Listen. No, I meant the whole roller derby thing and the running away from the baddie and trying to figure things out. I just meant more of, like, the feel I got it was more youthful and immature. Well, <laughs> rather it than Rather than Catwoman. <laughs> so Catwoman is catching a cop in a feel in bed. I, I was not pleased with that at all. 
But anyway, I still am not getting Catwoman vibes from this from this issue. I'm really torn. I actually had many thoughts in my review. Uh, I probably wouldn't be reading this if I didn't have to review it, but I am. So I do feel this is a slight improvement in in many ways over the last many issues, but there's still Catwoman just makes a lot of really dumb mistakes, like a dumb overlooking of things. And you could maybe justify that she's trying to get away from her troubles and she's focusing on Harley. So she's missing a lot of things, but that Batman wouldn't do that. So well, like one thing that bothered me was that the guy attacks her in the hotel room, motel room, escapes through the window, breaks the window, and then they're just like, "Well, I guess it's bedtime." It's like, "No, you're not going to go to a different hotel. You're not going to board up the window." <laughs> like, uh, uh, he, he could just be sitting outside. You're not going to try to chase him. What? Yeah, there's a there's a distinct lack of thinking through what exactly the villain is thinking. And that's a common problem in comics and movies is like, you're just like, what makes a cool action scene? Don't think about what the villain's doing off screen. Don't think about whether it makes sense. Don't think about what the heroes would actually feel after this happened. Let's go with, now let's have Catwoman cop a feel from Harley in bed. It's great. So it's a thumbs down for me. This book still is terrible and I don't like it, but there were complex things going. So it's not quite as far a thumbs down. Lastly, Nightwoman, Nightwing number 92. Oh, thumbs up. I enjoyed the flashback. I enjoyed... Is this the Dick's... Flash one, or...? No, this is the, this is one where they... It starts in the past where Dick is immature. Not immature, but he's inexperienced and in how he's come far, far away. And so now he is stronger and can take care of... So... Flash is, is in it, Is this a Superman he... crossover? It's not a crossover. Superman is in it for like a few panels doing the opening of, of uh, what was it called? Haven. It's this little place that, that is supposed to be a haven for the underprivileged and encourage contributing to society, I think. Um, and, and Blockbuster is like, I'm going to burn it to the ground. And then Dick saves the city or whatever. I'm wondering if I even read this issue. I think I had to abstain because I don't remember. Because Flash is in it as he's just mentioned that he's doing security patrol. Oh, and Bruce shows up. That was cute. Bruce shows up with Titus and they hang out with Dick and Barbara. Yeah, I think I didn't read this, so I'm going to abstain. You? Okay. I would be interested to to see what you think of this one because there was, I feel like, enough old school dick in this one that i think i was too angry about the flash crossover because i was really really angry about that issue (laughs) i think that's why i didn't keep going on this also like taylor introduced this sister of dicks and he hasn't touched it and i know there was a crossover but he could have gotten back to it by now and he hasn't he's mentioned too i think that is not getting back to it that's mentioning (laughs) it so i know that she's coming back from solicits but I'm I'm just not feeling this Nightwing. All right, that finishes up our Greater Gotham. Let's move on to listener feedback. Sorry to interrupt, Master Booth. Ringing your phone now. This needs my attention. Uh, both of our comments this week are from the Discord. Uh, they're actually a little truncated, so apologies. But we had really great conversations with a lot of different people on the Discord. Uh, I really encourage people to join. We have, of course, a link on thebatmanuniverse.net. And you, too, can join and 
chime in with your comments, positive, negative. We take them all. We discuss them. We try and be respectful and take everything we can from them. So Borvok said, My random thoughts and assertions aside, you guys put on a good cast as always. You even managed to keep it interesting with only one main book to cover. I just hope you guys aren't feeling pressured to put something out just because of the two-week schedule. If you if you ever have to put off recording for a week or two for lack of material, I'm sure no one will be upset. But you guys are always fun to listen to regardless. Aw, thank you, Borvok. Yes, I really appreciate that comment and... We are trying to figure out what we're going to do come July when everything drops down. Um, August, we're, I don't know, we're, we're in talks. Uh, if people have suggestions of what we should do when we just have one issue of Batman and one issue of Detective to cover. We're more than open to hearing them. For sure. I'm advocating for covering all of Batcat. But that's just me. Oh, like a, like a retrospective? Or? Yeah, for the whole thing. I would say we should do that in June when the last issue actually comes out. Yes. Well, of course. Yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> um, 1974.09. Wonder if that's his birthday. Oh, um, password. <laughs> password. All his, it's a pin for all the stuff. Change your pin right now. Okay. He says, or she, I don't know. I've recently come across you guys and the podcast. Great companion to add to comic reading. I've gone back, but only... Season 14. Started Batman comics just as Joker killed off Jason Todd, but a recent break somewhere in the timeline. So like Steph, I haven't read No Man's Land, but was around for Nightfall. Wasn't sure if it was this pod, but very much enjoyed Detective over Batman. I've always felt this way. The Abyss storyline was a real low light. <laughs> yeah, it was. Am enjoying the Deathstroke crossover, though. Great format to the pod. It's good to hear the news and then the deep dive into two main titles. I, too, gave up on Urban Legends, but I do quite like I Am Batman and Robin. Thanks, guys, for the pod. It's now in my rotation and encourages me to keep up to date with reading. I did a Google search and it came up in a list. Since it had comic in the title, I thought I'd give it a try first. I do enjoy the Theo rants. <gasps> yes. Totally agree on his Tim Drake one recently. Well, thank you. I'm always really excited when we get new listeners. And Yay. I'm also kind of glad that the whole season thing, because it used to be we just did episodes and we, we do keep track of our legacy numbering. So we're at something like 380. But I think the season just allows people to feel like they can get in at any time. And then, of course, I got in, I want to say in 2014-ish. Um, that's when I really started listening more regularly to the podcast, and I've gone back and listened to lots of stuff. So nothing like once you're done with the podcast for the week, you can, of course, go listen to the archives. So that's part of the great thing about what we're able to do because of our patrons who allow us to have our servers who can you know, host all those back content that you can listen I to. I will say, though, that Dustin started the podcast, our fearless leader, started the podcast right before the new 52 <laughs> Yeah, and so for quite a long time, and they covered all the books. Like they didn't. They do, were they were troopers. <laughs> they did like the podcast. Every the early podcast are, book are hours long, and oh, they get so angry sometimes. <laughs> oh, in my opinion, hoot. quite rightly, but it's a hoot. But I listened to all of them, so I'm I'm definitely an advocate of listening to them. All right. So that brings us to the end of our podcast. 
I will now read our supporters. Uh, we have lots of different ways you can support us, from becoming a patron uh, to using our PayPal link or... Uh, sorry, yeah, that's a one-time gift. We also have uh, affiliate links through which you can buy things from Amazon, Lego, GameStop, um, all kinds of nerdy stuff, and Dango if you want to go see movies. So lots of affiliates, and um, it doesn't cost you any more, but they get a, uh, the website gets a little bit of income every time you make a purchase through their link. So um, we also read off the names of everyone who supports at a certain level or above every podcast so thank you to lisa slack ian miller gerald green joshua lapin bertoni rob o tim garassi robert lewis stephanie mounts donovan morgan grant stanton's grave donald townsend ed grouse captain america mary garrett austin davis johnny mccloskey cesar diaz jessica morales and david richards thank you all for again keeping our archives up for allowing us to have all the reviews that we draw from and that we can refer to as uh, reference material um making this podcast is a real delight i really enjoy the chance to talk to my co-hosts and to interact with you guys on the discord server and other wherever else you leave reviews and of course it allows me to you know really keep up with what's going on batman and in a way that i wouldn't necessarily if i were just driven by my own uh, impulses so being able to have this history of going through batman in this community is really great and so i really thank all of our patrons who support us and all the people who listen until next time i've been ian this is steph and, and theo should be back next week or next time <laughs> next episode but yep um everyone stay safe and we'll see you next time hello and welcome to the batman universe promise wow <laughs>